That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. UVA okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. What's up, everyone? This is the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. It is Sunday at around 6, and I am with Rob, and we are back. Rob, how are you doing? Very good, man. It is a pleasure to be back on on the air, on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure to be back. We, we took a hiatus due to the winter and due to me being on vacation and Rob being unable to uh, record away from me. Yeah, and, so, uh, y'all need to realize how important Dustin is to I'm this operation. Important. Dustin think, is very important to this Rob operation. Rob knows everything, but I do things as well. Dustin's value is way higher than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plus minus kind of thing. <laughs> but um, anyway, we're back, and we actually missed a lot, unfortunately. So we have a lot to catch up on, but I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk some football, uh, specifically about the bowl game, just for a little bit. I know that that happened a while ago. But we want to discuss kind of our feelings about it. We're going to do a comprehensive look ahead to next year's football team and kind of a year in review uh, next week. And Rob's super excited about that. Yeah, that's I know. my favorite thing to do. Dustin was making fun of me. I'm like, <laughs> I always love looking ahead in football. It's like, well, that's the best part of football it's is the class, class look UVA. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> There's always next year. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Yeah, and then we're going to talk some basketball. FSU and UVA played yesterday, which is a top 10 matchup, and it was somehow put on ESPN2 and the 3 o'clock slot along with a couple of NFL games, which was strange. But you saw the Duke game, right? The Duke yeah. game. What? Oh, it was so much Zion. Fun. Yeah. Did that, you see his dunk? Did you see his, his air ball three? dunk. I could, anyway. <laughs> I could do a 360 dunk if I was 6'7 also. <laughs> it's not that hard. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll I'll trash Zion if we start beating him. Yeah, he's good. I love watching him. But we'll get to that later. And uh, but first, we wanted to give some life updates. It is the new year, and some new things have happened to Rob and I. So Rob, I want to start with you. What is uh, a New Year's resolution that you are going to do for this new year? New Year's. I don't. I know we're doing New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I've Focus got one. more on the pod, work less. <laughs> I've got one if you if you're if you need. Yeah, go for it. I uh, I want to stop being. I'm working on my superstition, and um, r- starting to realize that I don't have an effect on the outcome of games, even though I may sit a certain way the whole time. It doesn't really affect what happens. Well, so, I'll I'll say this: 
I was kind of that I had trended more and more the direction that you're trying to go uh-huh. until I predicted us to beat Virginia Tech in football. <laughs> and now I'm 100% back on superstition. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like, don't say anything. Oh, I don't, don't make bold predictions. Oh, I don't, I don't make predictions or, or say anything anyway. <laughs> but I'm trying to be more, okay, if I'm not wearing this certain shirt today, it's not going to matter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's my resolution. Okay. Well, a big life update is that Dustin is currently wearing a UMBC hat okay. as we record. Dustin, <laughs> do you want to explain this situation? I would love to explain. So Rob and I are in a fantasy football league, and it's full of hookery people, and the it's a punishment league. And so last year, the punishment was someone had to take the SAT again, uh, which sucks, right? Yep. And this year, everyone thought it'd be a great idea for the loser to wear a UMBC hat whenever UVA plays a basketball game. And so, of course, Rob and I were in the, the, were last, in place the last place game. <laughs> and, um, and and Rob beat me. And, and I, I just want to say that I was uh, shafted in the two last weeks of the season. And I should not be wearing this hat right now. Yeah, it should probably it should probably be neither of us. Yeah, it should we, be neither of us. You know, there was I had by far my best game the last week. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna but, name names, but there was some bribery going on, and there were um, backroom deals happening. And <laughs> I should not be wearing this hat. I also want to say that Rob and I had no say over this yeah, punishment. But, yeah, at all. it was very much a we, dictatorship. We joined as far as the punishment. We jo- we were uh, coerced into joining this league by a friend and he neglected to tell us that this was the punishment so if you okay if you see me at a basketball game and i'm wearing a umbc hat give pity (laughs) and not hate because i don't want this yeah yeah to be clear the punishment is dustin has to wear the umbc hat for every game for the rest of the basketball season basketball season so you know, more power to you, man. That's all I'm saying about that. It could have been me. It should have been you. <laughs> <laughs> this if Rob had Kareem Hunt on his team, and Kareem Hunt decided to uh, abuse people in his life, and then Rob picked up some rando yeah. and got him. Adam uh, Humphreys had 20 points, almost. It was like 17 or 18. I don't want to It was an incredible week. Zach Ertz, great week. But that's probably good for life updates. <laughs> it's probably a little bit more than y'all wanted to hear yeah. about me anyway let's start with football let's talk football and we are what we're recording this at about six o'clock on sunday so we're eight days removed from the uva belk bowl victory 28 to nothing over you know south carolina the sec the beat up on the smaller team boys that can't score a point it was a great win. It was a great win. And like Dustin said, we're going to have a wrap-up episode next week uh, where we just talk about like the players, the outlook, all that type of stuff heading into next season because there's going to be a lot of expectations next season. This isn't mm-hmm. a spot we're used to being in. You know, eight wins now. There's going to be expectations to equal mm-hmm. or improve that next season. But Dustin, I want to ask you real quick, you know, what did that bowl game mean to you? And did it help kind of, was there anything from that game that helped contextualize the season in any sense? Yeah. So if you remember after the tech game, I said that I don't care about the bowl <laughs> game. 
And that was wrong because I really did care. And I, I, I was out skiing in Utah and I skipped the day of skiing to watch the game. Uh, no one else in my family did, but I did because I wanted to see what this team could do. I wanted to see how they responded to the criticisms of their last loss of the season and how they, what they did in that month to prepare for the South Carolina team who was probably objectively better than the UVA team. And I was super impressed with how they came out. They um, seemed to know what Carolina, South Carolina was doing. They seemed to know what their weaknesses were and they took advantage of it. You know, Alamde Zacchaeus had a heck of a day, three touchdowns, a hundred yards receiving and Bryce Perkins was spot on with his passes. Jordan Ellis had a day as well. He rushed for over 100 yards. Uh, I know you have had criticisms about him, but that, he had a great game in his last game. I don't know if it's game. criticism. It's more just there's more to reach for. Okay. Anyway. But anyway, <laughs> but, you know, they, they all had great games, and the defense was outstanding. Yeah. The, the only thing that kind of went wrong was um, special teams where we kicked a ball out of bounds on the kickoff and then um Delaney missed a 33 yard field goal Mm -hmm. but besides that I mean the the coaching was good the defense was good you know the box score looked pristine with a seven points in each quarter and South Carolina not scoring at all so I thought it was wonderful and I, I was really excited to see the team come out like that yeah I mean to me the biggest thing was mentality Mm. you know you just came out with mentality and bowl games are weird they're fluky and you see it all the time a great example is the texas georgia game i thought georgia should have been in the playoff Mm -hmm. but bowl games are so much about motivation Mm there's so much about which team wants to play which team feels respected or feels like they need to earn respect and you know, Virginia felt that way and South Carolina didn't. And I think that's a huge part. Like I said, the Texas-Georgia game, you know, Georgia thought they should have been in the playoff and Texas beat them, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. Bronco Bronco has the ability to get his guys ready to play. And we even saw it in the Tech game. The Tech game, he had his guys ready to play. I think that was more on the coaching staff than anything else, mm-hmm. that loss. To me, the second biggest takeaway is we need to appreciate Bronco Mendenhall as a defensive head coach, Mm -hmm. how good he is in coaching this defense. This defense was one of the best in the ACC, you know, with a front seven that was, you know, quite frankly, not that good to have the D-line injuries we had, to have our best linebacker, Jordan Mack, out for half the season, to put up the performances they did, especially with the secondary you know, you just saw how confused Jake Bentley was. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a who's place, uh, you know, we just put out a publication that was, you know, like looking ahead into the ACC for basketball. And in my Braxton Key article, I wrote about how, you know, we, we talk about Tony Bennett as like so graceful and humble and thankful and all that. And sometimes we forget he's actually just like an incredible basketball coach too, like X's and O's, like mm-hmm. strategy, all that. And it's kind of the same thing with Bronco Mendenhall. We get so caught up in his like, development of the program and like strategy and all that type of stuff Mm -hmm. sometimes we forget what got him to where he is now is his ability to disguise defenses and to really keep quarterbacks and offensive offenses guessing Mm -hmm. and you saw that at full display against south carolina and jake bentley was very upfront in saying they didn't know what was coming next on each play 
Mm-hmm. And it's rare for a defense to be able to dictate a game like that. And Virginia did. Yeah, Jake Bentley had a horrible day. He was 7-14, to uh, 218 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. So he he and the rest of the South Carolina offense had no idea what was happening. They only had 43 yards rushing. They had 218 yards passing. There was two fum- or one fumble. I think that the defense did a really, really good job of preparing for this South Carolina team and also like staying on top of it. You know, there's a month in between the tech game, which was horrible, mm-hmm. and this game. And being able to see that the team came out and was able to really prepare themselves in a way, kind of unlike last year. Yeah. You know, last year we lost to tech in kind of a heartbreaking fashion again. Mm-hmm. And they seemed kind of deflated during yeah. the military bowl. But this year, they it was the opposite. You know, they came out, they were strong, and they really came to play. Yeah, and one thing I really like is, you know, we heard all this talk that, so Virginia beats, I think it was North Carolina to reach six wins on the season. And all the talk we heard was, oh, you know, last year we were happy just to get to six wins. This year, it's like, we want to do a lot more. You know, we mm-hmm. there were ACC championship game hopes. And they gave all that talk, and the only win they had after that was Liberty. You know, they gave all this talk, oh, we want more than just six wins. It's like, well, you got one more against Liberty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the talk finally showed itself on the football field. And, you know, you can talk about Georgia Tech. You can talk about Virginia Tech. There were good and bad things from both of those games. Some things outside of UVA's control. Some things inside of UVA's control. You know, we've already broken those down. But finally, you saw that mentality, the, hey, I still want more mentality come up and show against South Carolina. And, you know, South Carolina, there was really one opportunity they had to get back in that game because they went for that early fourth down and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. They had some, uh, you know, you shout out to Jordan Redmond, too, had some big stops there. Mm-hmm. But it was 21 nothing. Uh, Hasis Dupois fumbles the ball. South Carolina... That's like really their only chance down 21 nothing. I think it was third quarter to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. And Juan Thornhill intercepts the ball and returns it 50 yards. Yeah, you know, there was just Virginia was mentally there. And to me, just to know that in a big game that Virginia can be mentally there, because as much as we love Virginia, you know, they haven't Bronco Mendenhall hasn't played in many big games. Mm-hmm. And most of the big games that we hype up as big games, we've lost with the exception of probably that Miami game earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So just to see that mentality there, I think was important to the development of the program. And I'm excited for next year and we'll get into next year in a bit or in another episode, I yeah, guess, but next week, you know, I'm excited. I, there were good things from that game that are bigger than just the game, you know, bigger than just one game. And I think one of the biggest things that didn't even happen during the game was what happened after the game when Bryce Hall said he's coming back next year, which Our, I think is probably the biggest thing ever. Did you expect that to happen? No, I thought he was gone. So he should he should leave. I don't know. If he wants I don't listen, know. I'm listen, not a draft if you, guy. If I you're, love the draft. If you're given a first or second round grade, you're gonna get first or second round money. Yeah. Right? Which is pretty good. Yeah. You're gonna be on a team, you're gonna get a contract. Now if you stay and you get hurt no guarantee you're going to get that again. What if he has a horrible year next year? Well, he's not going to have a horrible year next. I no, think he's injury not. Injury is the concern. I think injury and also just you know he, you know there's a slump or maybe there's a lot of expectations. I don't know. If you're given a first or second round grade, I think you should leave. Yeah, I get that. But and- but I but I, I think it says a lot to 
this uh, coaching staff and to the program in general that he is staying instead of leaving. Yeah, so let's let's just two things to say on that. One, I thought Bryce Hall was going to stay until the day before the bowl. Mm-hmm. I thought he was 100% going to stay and the day before the bowl in the media room or whatever, Bryce Hall says he made his decision like a week or two ago, but I don't want to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, he's going pro. Yeah. Like, okay. So I was very surprised after that to be like, oh, well, like he meant that in a good way. Like mm-hmm. he didn't want like respect for him staying to be a distraction. Right. Like you can just, you see the type of person he is and he's mm-hmm. a great guy. It seems like obviously a great player. Uh, the second thing with that is exactly what you said. You know, you remember two years ago with, I guess, two seasons ago, a little over a calendar year ago, Quinn Blanding and Micah Kaiser talking mm-hmm. about staying for their senior season yeah and bronco said you know like i didn't really do much to make him stay Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like yeah like you can stay if you want yeah we'd love to have you back and they both ended up staying and it might have been even to the detriment it was definitely to the detriment of quinn bland yeah definitely but micah kaiser played hurt his senior year i think it helped micah kaiser actually well he's his junior season I think was better than a senior season because mm-hmm. he was playing with the knee brace. His knee was banged up the whole time. Mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm waiting for Micah Kaiser to get the chance to start because when he gets the chance to start, he is not letting that go. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be, I feel pretty confident saying Micah Kaiser is going to be a starting linebacker for about 10 years in the NFL. Yeah, I'm that high on he's him. He's like the prototypical middle linebacker he's awesome. kind of guy. But I think it's the same thing with Bryce Hall. Bronco didn't give a pitch to him. He was mm-hmm. just kind of like, hey, like, Here's your papers. I'm going to help you fill out your papers. We'd love to have you stay if you want to stay. You know, we respect whatever decision you make. There's just a lot of belief internally about, Mm -hmm. you know, where this football program is going to go. And, you know, eight wins and Bryce Hall's like, I want to see the next step. The next step is ACC championship game, I think. Yeah. I think that's the next step. Nine wins. Nine wins would be nice, but nine wins in the Coastal probably gets you to the ACC championship game. game. I I think... I think it's interesting to that you go from like low tier bowl win, Belk Bowl. Belk Bowl is mm-hmm. a good bowl, but I like it's like mid ACC, mid ACC bowl. But like, I think it's interesting that everyone everyone's next step is like we got to go to the ACC championship game, mm-hmm. which of course like you know we're gonna play Clemson and probably lose that. That's and why I, you play, I, I think I know, but I I think it's interesting that like I'm content right now to just like enjoy the bowl winning process you know (laughs) like i'm not i'm not i was so we've been so down for so long that there's no reason to just like jump ahead and be like ah we got to go to the acc championship now it's like let's just keep winning some bowls for a couple seasons you know (laughs) like i don't know i i think i think just winning bowls right now is is fine with me well if we Play in but the I'd AC- be more. I would be more than happy to go to the ACC championship game. I think that's the next step. And you look at where the coastal is going to be next season. Mm-hmm. A lot of new coaches. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say right now, Virginia and Virginia Tech are kind of one A, one B as far as favorites go. There, mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. There's again, we'll look ahead next episode, next week, something like that. But you know, it's so big. For the team's mentality, you know, hadn't ended the season with a win since 2005. Mm-hmm. You know, 13 years ago, I was I was 11 years old. Yeah. I guess you were 11 years old, too. Yeah, I was in uh, it's weird. fifth grade. It's weird. Six, yeah, yeah fifth, grade, fifth grade. Fifth grade. It's weird, man. It's weird how long it's been. But I'm excited. And I think 
the South Carolina game is big to just just give the confidence back. You know, there was such mm-hmm. a good season going. And, you know, I had, I what, it was a David Teal article. I forget what the exact stat was, but David Teal, David Teal tweeted out an article, and I replied with a comment to that tweet that I thought was a really interesting stat. Bronco was like 2-11 and 11 in games after November 1st. Mm-hmm. Like some crazy stat, like they just haven't been able to finish seasons. And it got picked up by some tech fans. It got picked up by some Georgia tech fans. Mm-hmm. And like, that wasn't the intention to trash Bronco Mendenhall. It's mm-hmm. just like, this is where you are in building a program. Mm-hmm. And to finally get a big win like that was nice. And yeah. like, it's good. It, there's, I really like where this team is heading. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I do too. And I think with that, unless you have anything else to add, we can kind of shut down football for this week until we can, you know, compress decompress a little bit more and mm-hmm. and get our thoughts on paper yeah. yeah yeah so with that hoops 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 you can't spell hoops without the who's and and the who's just had a really good win on saturday which was yesterday for us against fsu which was the number nine team in the country and uva pretty much just walked all over mm-hmm. fsu rob what was like your kind of thoughts on the game i mean really i guess the two main things you got to focus on are kind of kyle guy and braxton key Mm -hmm. and kyle guy obviously played a great game between the marshall game and the florida state game kyle guy hit 11 three-pointers in a row yeah which alone is pretty incredible when you see like the type of threes he was hitting Mm -hmm. against florida state and then braxton key braxton key is a guy that i've been waiting to get for him to get comfortable Mm -hmm. and you know, he's only averaging a little over six points a game right now, but he's a guy that is super, super talented and has the potential to really be, you know, I don't know. I think, I feel like Tony Bennett is pretty comfortable with the starting lineup right now with Mamadi Diakite in there. Mm-hmm. Mamadi has been playing well, um, but you get Braxton Key in there and that sixth guy coming off the bench, all the really good Virginia teams have had a really good sixth guy coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. If that's Braxton Key this year, if he can play, excuse, <laughs> if he can play anywhere close to where he was playing, you know, against mm-hmm. Florida State, it's a very good thing for UVA. Dustin, yeah. you were there though. You were in JP. I was there. I was Ooh, in. Tell me I, about it. I was in the student section back where I belong, back in my old stomping grounds. I was hooked up with the current uh, vice president of Who Crew, Rajan Johnny, and. He hooked me up with a guest ticket, which was awesome because I got to go. It's probably the last time I'm going to go because of the stupid hat I have to wear. Um, <laughs> they won't allow me down there now. They but shouldn't allow they, me down there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't allow me down there. But I was there. I was right behind the FSU bench. You know, Leonard Hamilton looked as mean as ever. And, um, you know, the thing about FSU is weird is they always seem to pick a fight with UVA. There's always some sort of yep. scrum or, like, little thing. And this time, um, Kofer, Phil Kofer. Uh, tried to stare down Jack Salt, and uh, I don't know why anyone would try and fight Jack Salt because Jack Salt is a massive human being, and Phil Cover's pretty big too, but he's not nearly as big as Jack. But anyway, I I thought it was a great game. You know, the crowd was, you know, not at full strength because most of the students were not back yet. Um, the sideline was filled with students, but behind the band, it was mostly parents and um, families, and so it was not a full. It was a sold-out crowd, but not, like, full strength. But mm-hmm. it was still a very energetic, very loud crowd. 
and they really got into it. Um, this game was put away in the first half. Yeah. Uh, we it was forty-two twenty-three. Forty-two twenty-three. We were up nineteen points against a top ten team in the nation. I think at that point, I mean, you know, as a UVA fan, I'm always kind of on edge, but. Mm. I think I was really excited to see us come out like that, especially because our non-conference schedule had been kind of meh. Yeah, you know, I, I was scared. I was a little scared coming into this game because Virginia hadn't been tested against a team of Florida State's caliber, and you know, you remember they had some good games. They blew out Florida very early in the season, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, like these guys are good." And obviously, ranked number nine in the country, and. Virginia took it to them. They were up 29 points with like three or four minutes left. And the fact that Leonard Hamilton felt the need to press our walk-ons, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of shows where that game was, you know, yeah. that they were disrespected. Florida State was disrespected in that game, and uh, they were not happy about it. I mean, we were up we were up 29 points with three minutes left, yeah. and that's when the walk-ons went in. And that's when Florida State didn't put their walk-ons in, and yeah. it kind of all went to crap. You know, we we had we had eleven turnovers for the game. Five of those came after the under four. Yeah, when the walk-ons were in. Yeah, like if you're at the point where you need to press another team's walk-ons, like congratulations, like I see would, you next time. Yeah, I was unimpressed by that. Uh, yeah, you, it was funny. You know, George Welsh. It reminded me of this because George Welsh passed away this week, mm-hmm. and one of the funnier quotes George Welsh had that I was reading about was playing against Duke, and Duke at the time was coached by Steve Spurrier. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about Duke, and Duke was running up the score on them. And the coach, some reporter asked, uh, he asked George Welsh, would you ever consider running up the score against an opponent? And George Welsh said, well, now against Duke, I will. (laughs) And that was kind of my feeling. Like, next time we play Florida State, if we're in that situation again, keep the foot on the gas, baby. Yeah. Keep the foot on the gas. You know, the interesting thing is, like, if you you look at the the new ranking system for the NCAA, the net ranking system, which um, takes into account scoring margin home and away and wins and losses home and away, it makes sense for Florida State to try and run up or try and get back some of that score mm-hmm. so that their loss looks better uh, on the computer. Yeah. Versus Virginia, um, but I think if I think when people will look at the people who actually watch the game and not just the box score, you can see that Virginia was way way better. Yeah, I mean, it was a team. no contest. No, it was. I was telling you, I was kind of bored in the second half. Yeah, like, I just watched it in my apartment. Like there wasn't anything crazy going on with mm-hmm. my Saturday. You know, I sat down and watched the game and the first half I was like, yeah, that's great. I started texting people and then second half I kind of lost interest a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it just wasn't an entertaining game against the number 9 team in the country. Yeah. Like it was truly truly like one of the more dominating performances we've seen from Virginia really in the last several years. Mm-hmm. Against a very I mean, how many times are you up 29 points against the number nine team in the country. Very like, just rarely. in general. Like, just in general. It yeah. was incredible. Yeah, and I, I think I think one of the best things about it was that neither, probably, you know, the two biggest faces on this team, Ty and Dre, mm-hmm. were combined four of 19 for 12 points. Mm-hmm. And neither of them made a three-pointer. But we had other people step up who haven't, yet this year you know Mamadi had six points he played a good he played better than the six point box score that he did. shows he, he did. had a nice game 
I agree. He had a good defensive game. He had four rebounds, uh, only one turnover, only two fouls in 25 minutes too, which is good yeah, for him. No, that's really good. And I was impressed with him. I think that you know he started. To, he's been starting recently, and I think part of that is because Kihei, um, his wrist is still, you know, not not quite 100. percent He got the cast off, but mm-hmm. still, still a little brace or something. Yeah. Yeah, he has like a soft cast. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but the the other one I was impressed with, and he only played six minutes, but was uh, Jay. And Jay Huff... The uh, weekly Jay Huff segment, weekly, <laughs> as promised. <laughs> weekly Jay Huff mystery segment. But I thought he played well, and he only played uh, a couple minutes in the first half. I think he played probably five in the first half, and he had two fouls within yeah, those no, five minutes. Yeah, he had minutes. two quick fouls. But, but you know, <laughs> he, he was playing pretty good defense. He had a huge block... Uh, down low he was moving his feet he was coming out on screens he's doing the little things that will start to get him more playing time yeah speaking of jay huff you know that's you're exactly right like that's exactly what i thought of i thought Mm -hmm. you know we were enamored with his skill set you know a big seven foot one who can shoot from the perimeter you know that's that's so rare in the college game and he still he still has the highest field goal percentage on uva i didn't know that yeah 61.5 percent the thing with jay huff is that he has the ceiling and the skills that you're enamored with, but also kind of the deficiencies that Tony Bennett doesn't tolerate. Right. And he's still fouling, you know, he still needs to grow into his body. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been, you know, two and a half years in the weight program and like, he just has to grow. And I don't know if he ever will grow into his body. If he does, it'd be fantastic, Mm -hmm. obviously. But, you know, he showed more of the little things, moving his feet, you know, getting that block, Mm -hmm. you know, he was, smart he's not the screener jack salt is Mm-mm. i take scoring over screening any day though mm-hmm. and he has that scoring threat yeah you know he made the smart decision not to go up he would have gotten blocked on that one shot that he almost went up on instead he gets fouled mm-hmm. you know he showed like the small little mental things and the concentration the detail that we hadn't seen yet again what it was a couple minutes of action mm-hmm. but I was surprised he played in that first half, and I think it's good for it him was, to play meaning. That was probably the first meaningful minutes he's ever actually mm-hmm. played. It was a good. It was a good showing for for someone who has struggled to find the floor during important games. Mm-hmm. And I think that Tony is trying to actively get him more experience uh, for for this team because probably next year he'll have to play more if he stays. Mm-hmm. And one thing that. And he'll stay. I would be shocked if he doesn't stay. Well, so here's the thing, is that um, after the Marshall game, Dan D'Antoni was really praising Jay Huff Mm -hmm. and basically said, there's a spot on our team for you. Uh, (laughs) It was a funny comment. Oh, I know. And and he was basically saying, like, Tony doesn't use him enough, and Mm -hmm. he's, like, this really skilled player and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's partly true, like, and and we talked about this earlier is like if you're such a good player you're going to get over the deficiencies of defense to be used for offense and that but that's just not Tony's style like he's picking the defensive strengths over offensive strengths mm-hmm. and so looking at that it's kind of i mean look right now we thought that he might have a bigger role this season doesn't appear to be that way currently mm-hmm now, unless someone gets hurt or, you know, whatever, but I think that it's really interesting that, you know, Jay Huff doesn't play that much, even though he's like, great. 
Yeah. Well, one thing I heard, I had heard a really good story about Jay Huff, actually from my brother. So my brother's a third year at UVA, mm-hmm. my middle brother. I have a younger brother and who's in, still in high school. But my middle brother is a third year at UVA, and he told me a great story when I was back home over Christmas. And he was saying he was hanging out in the fraternity house with one of his fraternity brothers, and they were like, hey, you know, I, I think I'm going to go make a cookout run. Uh, one of my friends is going to pick us up. Like, do you want to come in like five minutes? And my brother's like, sure. And turns out his friend that was going to pick him up was Jay Huff. Mm-hmm. Like Jay Huff just rolled up to the house and he's like, hey guys, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And it, I, to me, it meant that Jay Huff is, you know, one of the, I will, I will say this. He's one of the few players that plays, you know, major football or basketball at a power five level who isn't just at the school just for that sport. Mm-hmm. You know, Jay Huff genuinely loves UVA mm-hmm. and he loves you know, he has a lot of great friends there. He's involved in a lot of clubs and organizations outside of football mm-hmm. or outside of basketball. You know, <laughs> imagine him playing football. <laughs> I don't want to My imagine God. that. But a long story short, you know, I respect Jay Huff. I hope something, I hope he gets playing time at some point in his mm-hmm. career, meaningful playing time. And, you know, I think he's here. I think he's here for the next two years. Well, you know, the, and the thing is, is like, he's still got two years left. Yeah, it exactly. feels like he's been here forever. You know, kind of has because you know we've been talking about him. You know, the redshirt season's like oh, like next year he's gonna yeah. be great, and then last year's like oh well, you know he's still growing and everything. And this year's like oh well, you know there's not really a spot for him. You know, eventually he's gonna have to play. Yeah, eventually, uh, maybe, 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 maybe not. But you know, I think I I think it's it will be interesting to see if the coaching staff can you know mask some of his deficiencies or maybe change the offense a little bit to suit him better mm-hmm. um because right now he just doesn't quite fit into what they do yeah and he's he's got to you know get better at his game to fit but that. but it was encouraging to see him play against Florida again State. those were the first meaningful minutes i think he's played mm-hmm. which was good to see i agree but you know another guy that we should probably talk about you know he was actually the star of the game is mm-hmm. kyle guy yeah. against florida state 21 points, five of six from three-point land. And, you know, I'm really happy for Kyle Guy because I feel like in the early— Kyle Guy was, you know, one publication put him out as a third-team All-American. You know, he was MVP of the ACC tournament. Kyle Guy has been a contributor since he came here. Like, you remember our fourth year in school, Mm -hmm. you know, Kyle Guy, out of that that class with DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome— Kyle Guy was the one that played meaningful minutes his first. That's true. (laughs) But his freshman season, you know, DeAndre Hunter redshirted. Mm -hmm. Ty Jerome had that, you know, surprise game against Villanova, but Mm -hmm. really didn't have an impact in the game Mm -hmm. or in the season outside of that. And Kyle Guy was the one of those guys that did. He comes back Mm -hmm. his second year last year, has an All-American type season. Yet in the offseason, all we wanted to talk about was DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome. Because Ty Jerome had really showed out over the offseason he mm-hmm. was the star of that Chris Paul camp. He looked really good in the blue-white scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, DeAndre Hunter, you know, the lottery pick, that's a whole other topic. But people mm-hmm. are like, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick. He's, I, You know, he is going pro next year. I'd be shocked if he stays. I would also be shocked. If he's he going pro next year. But Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter were the talk of the offseason. Yet we had a returning All-American that wasn't the talk of the offseason. You know, mm-hmm. he was kind of like third as far as like pecking order goes, which you know, justified or not, it's just kind of how it was. And Kyle Guy has really shown out the last few games. He's shown 
the type of talent that he was recruited to be, and he's shown growth in his game, you know, getting mm-hmm. into the lane, you know, he's been very, you know, three-pointers are obviously, they're going to be streaky game by game. Two consecutive games of really, really good shooting. He shot 80% the last two games combined mm-hmm. from three. So I'm re- I was just really happy for Kyle Guy. Just, you know, uh, people didn't want to talk about him. Not that they didn't want to talk about him, but they just didn't. They were focused on other things. And here you go again. Kyle Guy is back at the top of the headline. And I'm just happy to see him there. You know, it's interesting. Out of those three guys, uh, Kyle and DeAndre and Ty, you know, Kyle is averaging the most minutes. He's averaging the most points per game. And he has the highest free throw percentage and three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. So he's shooting 48.2% from three right now. He's shooting 87.1% from the free throw line. And he's averaging over 15 points a game, yeah, which is incredible. You know, considering that you've got DeAndre Hunter, who at times seems like he can score from anywhere on the court, mm-hmm. and Ty, who just, you know, can chuck up some outrageous yeah. threes at some point. I think that, I don't think Kyle really, you know, Kyle doesn't seem to be the person who like cares about, you know, who gets the glory or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle will always have his min- his moments and his minutes just because of the kind of player that he is. And but he likes the spotlight. I think he does like the spotlight, but I don't think that he, he doesn't, I don't know what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, no, he's definitely a team player. He's definitely a team player, mm-hmm. but he likes the spotlight. You know, he likes going off and you can see that that smile and the joy in the game mm-hmm. and in his face when he has moments like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just happy to see it happen. And the thing is, is I was, I, I tweeted about this a little bit over the break. As far as scoring goes, there's such a huge dip between the top three players and anyone else. You know, Kyle Guy right now is averaging 15.8 points a game. DeAndre Hunter, 13.8 points per game. Ty Jerome, 13.5. The next guy is Braxton Key, who Previously was around six points a game. He bumped it up to 7.3 with mm-hmm. that 20-point perform- performance he had against Florida State. You know, you need one to two of these guys to really step up each game. Mm-hmm. And it's a luxury to have right now when they're all three healthy, when they're all three playing well at the beginning of the ACC p- play. But if one of these guys gets dinged up, you know, you really need those other two to be there. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is a three-headed, you know, the big three that's, you know— you kind of coined by LeBron James, but mm-hmm. that's what this team is right now. You have a big three, and this team is heavily dependent on those top three players. And maybe this is a segue into ACC play, mm-hmm. kind of looking ahead at the schedule. These guys, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, this core isn't going to be together next year. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter will be gone. There's a chance Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome might be gone too. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of the year. Yep. You know, this is kind of the year if you're trying to make a big run. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. I think, but. well, okay, so I think that it's it's good that we have these three people who are really solid. And I think it's something that we this team hasn't had in a while. Because we used to have, we're not used to having three players who score double digits a game, right? It's usually mm-hmm. one. Maybe two, but it's low. It's low, right? And, you know, it used to be Malcolm and Anthony Gill, or it used to be Devin and, you know, London. Mm-hmm. But now we've got three, three really good offensive players to go along with some really good other pieces. Mm-hmm. We've got Jack Salt, who is incredible. On oh, did you defense. just use Jack Salt as an important offensive piece? No, 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 did- no, 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 no. Other piece. Other piece. Okay, other piece. okay. I was like, whoa. 
Did I say offensive? I don't know. That I would don't be know. offensive if I said that. <laughs> no, but I, I meant I meant that you know Jack is kind of like he holds the defense together. He's like the anchor okay. for the defense. He's okay. the team captain, and uh, he he will set the screens that are needed to get these people open. Of course, Mavity is coming into his own. He is uh, hyper athletic, can uh, score in a couple different ways, as we saw during uh, FSU and Marshall, and uh, Braxton Key. Uh, can score in bursts, as mm-hmm. we've seen. You know, he he doesn't average that many points a game, but he scored twenty. Against, I think he'll get more consistent. Too. I think he will too. I think he's you know working his way into the lineup mm-hmm. and figuring out stuff. Uh, he's also really good defensively. Held um, Terrence Mann to zero points on the day. Help hold him to zero points on the day. Kihei is awesome. Yeah, and I love him. Yeah. He works hard. It wasn't a great matchup against Florida State just because they were all like so much bigger than he was. He still played. And he still played. You know, his wrist was hurting. Um, he didn't score any points, but didn't make uh, too many mistakes. He had one turnover. But besides that, he played really well. And, you know, Jay will get his minutes, hopefully. Marco mm-hmm. might get some minutes, hopefully. And there are the pieces there to help those three take us where we need to go. Mm-hmm. I I'm still... To me, people are talking about rankings and everything. We're number four in the country right now. To me, this is still so much about March. And, mm-hmm. you know, you want to focus on ACC play, and there's some big games coming up. You know, obviously, Virginia Tech, which is all of a sudden a top 10 matchup, which as much as I hate Virginia Tech, I would love it if UVA and Virginia Tech are both relevant in football and basketball. Mm-hmm. It makes it that much better. Yeah. And we play Virginia Tech in, you know, just over a week um at home and that's going to be a top 10 matchup most likely. Mm-hmm. Then there's Duke coming up the game after Virginia Tech on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be a top 10 matchup it's most gonna be likely. Game day. God, I'm so ready for that game. I'm so ready day. for that game. Well, you know, it's, it, they said it at six o'clock, so it's going to be game yeah, day. it's definitely going to be game day. Which is, How could it not be game day? Well, I think I think it's going to be number one and number two. If Virginia can get to number two, that'd be impressive. I don't know if it depends be on how two. Tennessee plays because yeah. Tennessee right now is playing really well. Michigan is also playing really well too. But I think, I think, um, hopefully, some voter actually. I don't care what voters. It's going to be us. a big game. Yeah, it's going to be a big. Game. And the voters game. don't matter. That's that's one thing that drives me crazy. Is no, I agree people with on you message on boards, yeah. message people on Twitter, are like, oh, how are we not ranked higher? I'm like, well, we haven't played anyone why does, really. Why does Seth Davis hate yeah. us all the time? <laughs> well, Seth Davis is so annoying. <laughs> it's like, well, why does John Rothstein think we're number one? Right. It's like you can play the devil's advocate to that too. Yeah. And you know, people get so caught up in the rankings, and it's like, who cares? Like, the rankings don't decide anything. And I think I think it was cool last year when we got to number one and it was like this whole thing and like number overall C. But like after the UMBC loss, you know, I think a lot of UVA fans are like, all right, all I care about is a Final Four run. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, like right now is like it's all it's fun. It's great. But at the end of the season, it's like, OK, how did we do in the tournament? Yeah. And I think that's what people, you know, this is kind of getting back to relevancy you know and this goes back to even the football getting back to relevancy when you we're, we're talking about going to the acc like we're talking about winning things now we're not yeah. talking about like getting there we're talking about winning them well we've been there for so long and now it's like the national well, we've only been there for five years six years this is That's six years that we've been relevant time. It's right kind of a long time to it... be as good as we've been for six straight years yeah you know yeah but, pe- it, but our people... worst year was probably our fourth year i know but i think yeah it was but i think that now, you know, people are starting to be like, 
you know, Duke, Carolina, Virginia. Mm-hmm. That that's those are the three top yeah. ACC teams. When we when we first start our first year, 2013, when we started to be really good, it was Duke, Carolina, Syracuse, mm-hmm. or Duke, Carolina, Miami, Duke, Carolina, FSU, Duke, mm-hmm. Carolina, whoever else was good that year, um, NC State. But now it's Duke, Carolina, Virginia. You get almost a daily John Rosting tweet about. Yeah, how the ACC runs through Charlottesville. Runs through Charlottesville, which is great. I, it's great, but obviously we want more. No, I and I and I love it. I love the attention. I also love the not attention sometimes too. But I think that at the end of the day, and I'm speaking for a lot of people here, but I think that most UVA fans uh, like just really care about what happens in March. Yeah, and I think when March comes around, we're all going to be super nervous <laughs> about what happens because. <laughs> Good God, I, I just, you know, the memories from last year. It's like a weird paradox, too, because it's like, obviously, like, we're all in on every game, and mm-hmm. like, in every game, we're going to be sweating in, and we're going to be chewing on our collars, right. and like, biting our nails, like, right. what's happening, like, how is this not happening, and then we'll be pissed off if we lose, or like, uh-huh. elated if we win, Yeah. but then at the end of the day, it's like, the only no, thing that's, that matters, that's not, yeah. The it's like as soon as the game's over, it's like, all right, well, like let's talk about March again. Well, because like, we've it's had weird. we've had the regular season success for the last five yeah. years, and you know it hasn't turned out the way that we wanted to at the end. And so I think that a lot of people are turning and saying, okay, look, we got to start winning in March, or you know, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And it it's something that we shouldn't shy away from. I think because yeah. you know we always talk about how great Tony Bennett is and he mm-hmm. is great. And I think one of the big things that he's been able to do is to be re- really, to really embrace and to really own the UMBC loss. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it happened, it happened. And it's part of our story. I, I literally own the UMBC yeah, loss. Dustin spent $20 <laughs> on that. <laughs> and, you know, to own that. And I think the next, you know, it's that's not an easy thing to do. To, you know, we get trolls all the time. Mm-hmm. There's people all the time that are like, oh, but UMBC. We, we had a troll. <laughs> Rob had a troll tweet UMB, something UMBC at him. And I went in on him. I was like, it was yeah. bad. I, I don't know. I felt kind of bad It wasn't afterwards. that bad in the context of Twitter, <laughs> but it was it was fun. It was fun. At Gam- Ameri- Gamblers American, Ga- I think. At Gambler American. Yeah. Shout yeah. out, bro. Shout out. If you're a man. You he might doesn't be. listen to us. <laughs> There's no way. If he does, if you do, DM us. We'll hit yeah. You up. <laughs> but no, I mean that's the thing. It's like we got to own that. And I think I think Tony Bennett knows. And like, there's been more talk of a Final Four this year that he's talked about his dad. You know, he made a Final Four. There's they just kind of know that. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they should own that more or if it's kind of like internally. But everyone knows Final Four is the next step. Everyone yeah. knows that. Yeah. Like it's. I don't know. I maybe we should talk about the ACC slate coming up, but at the end of the day, like that's what we care about. Like I yeah. don't care if you go like if you lose six games in the ACC if you make a nice march. Run. As you were saying, like I can, I don't care. Yeah, you know, it's I, like the I, paradox. I, I do care. I care a lot. Like it's, it's like everyone wants both things. Everyone wants to have their cake and eat it too. Like the the ability but, of this team to make me either really happy or really sad for the rest of the week is like incredible. Yeah, and. And it, but it's still, it's like, it's like, well, if we don't do anything in March, like what, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know if we can go any lower than where we've already been no. as far as March. We so can't. There's I, nothing it, there's, worse. I think we've already hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Which maybe is comforting if you want to look at it that way. But 
maybe we should look ahead a little bit okay. you know just a little bit at the schedule that's to fine. just show that we do our homework instead of just talking about high level whatever yeah uh so virginia plays boston college on wednesday followed by clemson i think those are two wins then there is a home game against virginia tech which to me means so much more this year you mm-hmm. know i was telling you Spent a lot of money going down to the Virginia Tech game last year mm-hmm. only to watch us lose and for no one to want to celebrate or go out mm-hmm. afterwards because everyone was sad. Yeah. And it was just a sad weekend in Charlottesville. <laughs> so I really want to beat Virginia Tech. Yeah. I really want to beat Virginia Tech. And then there's the Duke game. And maybe that's probably the last place we need to start yeah. or to keep talking about because mm. There's really four games coming up that I feel pretty confident will beat Boston College, and I feel pretty confident will beat Clemson. But home against Virginia Tech and away against Duke mm-hmm. are going to be two top ten games that are mm-hmm. going to get it. They're going to get a lot of attention, even though Virginia Tech is televised locally, not mm-hmm. on ESPN. But they're going to get a lot of attention, and that's mm-hmm. like really what I'm eyeing. You know, that five day stretch that's going to tell a lot early in the season about kind of. Not so much wins and losses because, you know, it, like we just talked about, you know, we're we're all in for March. But kind of where this team is at in relation to its peers, mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see. I also want to point out the next three games, too, which is um, Wake Forest at home, Notre Dame away, and NC State away. That makes it three out of four away mm-hmm. it, up till Duke and, yep. and five out of seven away up until NC State. And that's yeah. a lot of away games. And we've been at home a lot so yeah. far. Against not very good teams. Right, except for FSU. Yeah. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds to a lot of away environments. You know, it's not easy to play at Boston College. We've had some close games up there in recent yeah. years. Clemson has uh, had a really good year last year. They haven't played as well this year, but they're still a pretty good team. Tech is good. Duke is okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Wake Forest, you know, always seems to play us tough you know whether it's the um Darius Thompson buzzer beater at mm-hmm. Wake Forest or the Malcolm Brogdon strip um yep. a couple years ago here on Valentine's Day uh at Notre Dame is not going to be that tough you know Rex Fluger just towards ACL so they're a really young team that should be a pretty easy win for us but then NC at NC State uh on Tuesday January 29th ends that seven game stretch where I think is really going to define kind of what this team does during ACC play. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, ending it against a Kevin Keats coach team, you mm-hmm. know, he's a good coach. He's yeah, a good I think coach. we found out a couple years ago that he's a really good coach yeah. before he was at NC State. Uh-huh. But, man, I just can't take my eyes off that Duke game. I can't take my eyes off that. And it's like like Virginia Tech game, I think we'll win against Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech plays up to the moment. They do. And a Tuesday 8 o'clock game. And Buzz is a heck of a coach, too. Yeah, I mean, to, no, to what yeah. he did last year to our offense was awesome. Buzz is... Uh, it, like, it sucked, but it was a great coaching moment for us. And, you know, he was one of the three... They were one of the three teams to beat us last year. The only team to beat us at home last year, mm-hmm. which was a, a horrible... It was my last game that I went to as a student, so that was horrible. But uh, it was a great game, and, you know... Shout out to that team because they're doing really well. Although I think that their ceiling is a lot lower than people are giving them uh, a saying because they don't have Chris Clark. Mm-hmm. He's uh, out for the rest of the year. Yeah. He will not play this season. It has been confirmed. Broken Story broken by Rob. 
to me or David Teal to me. <laughs> but, I didn't hear until Rob told me today. Chris and Clark, the, and same as uh, Landers Noli. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to play. The, the kid is too smart. Yeah, for he's Virginia too smart Tech. to play. <laughs> <laughs> you feel for that guy. It's such a weird moment. For those who don't know, uh, Landers Noli was a he's a freshman, mm-hmm. and his ACT score ACT was too high. It was too high, according the to NC- the NCAA. Yeah, the NCAA said, "Whoa, that doesn't look right. Your you, ACT is too high." They you know, him, an honor roll kid yeah. in high school had his too high of an ACT score. So, do you know what he got? I don't. But the NCAA is investigating it. Well, they made him retake it. Oh, they made him retake. Yeah, and he did worse. Interesting. And so, which is not surprising <laughs> because who studies twice for the ACT? <laughs> And uh, I, I, he's ineligible. Yeah, which, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything unethical going on there. On the surface, it doesn't look like there is. No. In which case, you just feel awful for the guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, but Tech is still a good team. The only thing about them is that somehow their uh, non-conference strength, strength of schedule was even worse than Virginia's. Mm-hmm. So they the only team they played... That's really good is Purdue, which they won eighty nine to eighty three. They played them at home. They their only loss has come to Penn State on the road, sixty three to sixty two. So that's not a great loss. Was not horrible, and they've played probably two of the worst ACC teams so far in Notre Dame and Boston College. Mm-hmm. The thing with Virginia Tech is that they're a great shooting team. Mm-hmm. You know they don't have an interior presence, but they're a great shooting team. And that's what you have to be scared of. And, you know, if you get hot during March, mm-hmm. you know, that's... That's all that matters. Yeah. So, you know, I think... I think I don't know if they're necessarily worthy of their top 10 ranking yet, but mm-hmm. they're definitely worthy of being ranked, and they're definitely worthy of being ranked, you know, fairly decently high. You know, to be where they are now is pretty incredible, and you just got to respect Buzz for that. But I'm excited for that matchup. Again... God, I just hate Duke. And I hope <laughs> people were talking about this this morning. It's like, I hope UVA and Duke keep winning games. Mm-hmm. I hope there's no losses between the two schools up into that January 19th, that Saturday matchup. Yeah. Like, that is going to be, last year I think it was number two versus number four when we played. You know, this year it could be number one versus number three, mm-hmm. number one versus number four. It doesn't really matter. Like, you're clearly two of the best programs in the country, like, that's what you want in January basketball yeah. is that type of excitement. Yeah. Uh, going back to Tech real quick, they've got five people shooting over or around 45% from three. It's crazy. Yeah. So crazy. The, and um, they've, well, they've got four shooting over 45%. The only one shooting under is at 44.8%. Um, so they, as a team, they shoot 44% from the three. They're a good three-point shooting team. And so it'll be interesting to see because that's our weakness. Mm-hmm. As the pack line. That's how you beat the pack lines. Yeah. You, sh- you get into the paint, and then you shoot over it. Kick it out. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we defend against them this year. Uh, they don't really have a good interior guy. You carry Blackshear uh, is is okay, but he's not like... Jack Salt will handle him easily. Yeah. I mean, that's not how they're going to beat us. No. They're going to beat us beyond the arc. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what Tony does with them. I'm looking forward to that game a lot, and I'm looking forward to the Duke game too. So yeah. uh, it'll be interesting. Is there anything else you want to add for basketball, or is that pretty much it? I mean, that's that's pretty much the story, yeah. man. Get through January, but even January, it's still about March. Yeah. You know, this team is good, and I think it has a higher ceiling than last year's team. Like, mm-hmm. we've talked about, you know, you can put, you know, a lot of offensive talent on the floor. You can put five guys on the floor at a time 
who are really in there more for offense than they are for defense. Not to mm-hmm. say they can't play defense, but Jack Salt is really the only player on this team that is better defensively than he is offensively. I would agree with that. And that's not and the maybe case. and maybe Kihei at this point. I don't know. Kihei is oh, his his assists are, are he's a incredible. He's a distributor. He's a distributor. Well, Jack Salt is also a distributor. Yeah, if you didn't know, I, I like that dunk he gave to Mamadi. <laughs> Fun uh, fact. Fun fact, at, during the Marshall game at halftime, Jack Salt had zero rebounds and three assists, and Kyle Guy had four rebounds and zero assists. It's interesting, man. I mean, Jack Salt getting out on the break Positionless the basketball. <laughs> this is what we're playing. <laughs> New age of, of UVA basketball is where Jack Salt is the one, God. Kyle is the five. Again, I've said this. How he became a three-year starter is one of the greatest mysteries in Virginia basketball history. Because he's good. He is a good player. And he, Austin Nichols made bad decisions. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about that. There, that makes there's, me sad There's still. more that went into it. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited, I'm excited, too. I'm excited, too. But I think that concludes our kind of look ahead into the ACC basketball and also a short breakdown. We didn't really break down Florida State, but um, – it was a beatdown. So what is there to break down? The the only thing I would say about Florida State is that the score does not reflect how well we played. Yeah. Um. Tony put in the reserves with three minutes left, and Florida State decided to press for those three minutes. Uh, half of our turnovers came during those three minutes. We didn't score during those three minutes either. Uh, we were up twenty nine when that happened. So, um, if Tony had kept the starters in, or at least the second string, kind of. It would have been a lot worse for Florida State, but you know, I—that's all I'm complaining about. <laughs> I, I there is an amazing game. The the offense was great, defense was clicking, and we crushed them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to ACC season. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun ride. Yeah, that's what we've been waiting. This for. This is only January. <laughs> Thanks, John Rossi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think you want to give some yells right now. I'll I'll start. Obviously, George Welsh passed away this past week at the age of 85 he was you know kind of the definition of uva football when you talk about the new standard that bronco mendenhall the term that chris peace coined you know the old standard or the original standard was george welsh you know career record uh at uva of 134 86 and three uh 13 straight seasons of seven or more wins you know it's it's pretty incredible and my dad talks about George Welsh a lot and it was kind of one of those things where I would hear my dad talk about George Welsh and you know he's kind of before my time you know I first started going to games or at least the first games I remember going to were probably that 2004 season mm-hmm. you know the early Al Grow years, years yeah. you know I never really was old enough to witness or appreciate the George Welsh years mm-hmm. um but you know, to hear everyone else kind of say the same things about George Welsh, to have all the writers and all the former players and everybody say, you know, kind of the same things about the guy was, it was pretty cool. And, you know, you know, you saw some of his interviews, you know, where he was like, you know, I'm, I'm forever a Wahoo, you know, people called him the old salt because of the Navy. Mm-hmm. My dad let me know that my granddad used to call him Lonesome George <laughs> on the sidelines for whatever that means. But, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you talk about UVA football and what Bronco Mendenhall is trying to do is essentially rebuild the success that George Welsh had. And for someone who couldn't appreciate George Welsh at the time to someone who's trying to appreciate and learning to appreciate the way Bronco Mendenhall does things, 
they're both weird guys and not to make comparisons between them but they both have the end goal of putting out winning football teams and bettering the school the community and their players at the same time Mm -hmm. so you know you never want to see anyone go but the reflections and everything that was given to George Welsh were pretty incredible and touching and you know it would have been great if I experienced this 15 years from now instead of now but Mm -hmm. it was it was nice to see the love outpoured to George Welsh yeah yeah it was really well said and you probably should have gone second because mine is not uh, (laughs) not powerful at all I was gonna shout out I give a yell to uh, Bevo the Steer, who <laughs> tried to stab Ugga the Bulldog, Ugga 10, uh, before the Texas and Georgia game. Uh, they played in the, what was it, the Sugar Bowl? I don't know. They played in some bowl. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but I thought it was really funny. And, and it they it, Bevo tried it twice. It was once before the game in the middle of the field, and then once um, the, the handlers brought Ugga back to Bevo in his like engagement <laughs> on the field during the like at halftime, and Bevo once again tried to kill him. Uh, I thought that was really funny, and uh, that's that's all I have. But I should have gone second. <laughs> you should have gone second. <laughs> but yeah, that's all we have for you this week. So thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram at Guys and Ties Pod for those behind the scenes content. Rob, how's the Instagram going? The Instagram's great. You yeah. know, we had a great post today okay. about Kyle Guy. Okay. And you know, we we went we didn't have a post for about ten days or so, but we're back. <laughs> we're back. Snapchat is more or less, you know, running out. You know, in no relation to its stock price, although they are correlated. You know what we should do? We should make it a premium Snapchat account. How do you do that? I don't know. That's you my just, homework for the ju- week. You just make people pay you for snaps. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Usually it's for naked pictures, but we wouldn't oh. do that. We oh, would so do it's it, one of those. Yeah, we would do it for content, though. Interesting. I think if you make it premium, then um, more people would do it because it'd be more interesting to them. Well, you know, we'll explore the strategic decisions behind Snapchat uh, yeah, account yeah. in the um, next few days. And uh, yeah, that's your homework, Rob. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll look into that. All right, but... Uh, follow us. Where was there. I? Oh, yeah, follow us on Snapchat and Instagram. And uh, make sure to follow us on iTunes and Podbean if you want some more of us, Rob and I, talking to you. It's good to be back. I'm glad to do this again. Welcome to ACC basketball season. Go Hoos, beat BC. That's right. Go Hoos. Thank you.